Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode is Consanguinity. Raise your hand if you're the descendant of a cousin marriage. Anyone want to admit it? Guess what? Most of you should be raising your hands. Almost every single human being on planet Earth is the result of at least a second cousin marriage at some point in their distant past. I'm not suggesting your immediate ancestors were second cousins. First, before anyone jumps on me, cousin marriage includes those who share a recent ancestor. So a grandparent, great-grandparent, or a great-great-grandparent. And currently, worldwide, up to 10% of marriages are between people who share a grandparent or great-grandparent. Even the current King of England, Charles III, is the result of a cousin marriage. His parents, Elizabeth I and Prince Philip, were second cousins once removed through his great-grandfather, Christian IX of Denmark, who was Elizabeth's great-great-grandfather. Elizabeth and Philip also happen to be third cousins through Victoria. Don't worry, as second cousins, they would only share a bit more than 3% of their DNA. The risk of inherited issues was minimal. Almost every past mentioned in this series thus far has been the result of a cousin marriage of some type. So, why am I even talking about this? Well, you may have noticed in a lot of episodes I discuss the subject waiting for papal dispensation due to consanguinity or affinity. It was a worry for Edward III and Philippa of Hainaut with regards to their oldest son, the Black Prince, since Joan was the Black Prince's first cousin once removed. They did have to worry about this with a few of all of their other children. And you'll remember Henry I having his nephew William Cleto's marriage to Sibylla of Anjou dissolved on the grounds of consanguinity. Despite both of his children's marriages being just as consanguous since they were married to Sibylla's siblings, and the claim was through the line of descent that Henry I and William Cleto's father, Robert Curthose, shared. Consanguinity is the relation by blood originally between two people. In most of the West, the idea of this comes from Roman civil law. Marriages were prohibited if the couple were related by four degrees of consanguinity. For the Romans, this would mean you count back one partner's family tree until you get to the couple's most recent common ancestor, and then count forward on the other partners. Under Roman law, the Black Prince and his wife, Joan of Kent, had nothing to worry about. There are some additional complications with Roman law, but those don't impact us while looking at the medieval period and later. 
especially under the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church originally followed this rule four degrees, at least until the ninth century, when they decided that seven degrees was the way to go. Oh, and instead of counting back to the common ancestor and forward to the other partner, they just counted back. And one more thing, being married to someone means their family is your family, so their sister is completely off limits since she's your sister, but also she would be off limits to your brother. And just one more tiny thing, if you're someone's godparent, you're now family as well. John of Gaunt had to deal with this in his third marriage since he was godfather to Catherine Swinford's daughter Blanche. By being Blanche's godfather, he was, at least in the church's eyes, the brother of Catherine. <laughs> you may be able to see how this could be a problem. Nobility and royalty at this time was, just as today, a small, relatively stratified group. This would have made it impossible for most of them to marry without papal dispensation. Oh, and of course the church got paid for these dispensations. Someone has to, you know, pay the scribes, right? <laughs> the cynic in the group might think the Catholic Church was hoping for some extra funding, since they were the only place in town to get these dispensations from. You know, since they never do anything questionable to raise funds, right? Realizing the amount of paperwork might get a little intense if they kept it up. With the fourth Lateran Council, they changed a few things. You still had to count up to the closest ancestor, but it was no longer seven degrees. It moved back to four. So the Black Prince and Joan would still need dispensation. Their closest ancestor, Edward I, was three degrees removed from the Black Prince and two from Joan. But William Clito's marriage to Sibylla of Anjou wouldn't have been able to be challenged on the grounds of consanguinity. They were only related in the sixth degree on Clito's side and the fifth on Sibylla's. To think of how much trouble that would have caused Henry I, I'm trying not to laugh at his imagined pain. An interesting aside, while the church could give dispensation to allow marriages within the prohibited degrees of consanguinity, it could also annul marriages even after this dispensation had been received, especially in cases where the couple didn't want to be married to each other any longer. I mentioned in the Empress Matilda's final episode that her son, the future Henry II, would marry Eleanor of Aquitaine. At the time Henry and Eleanor met, she was the Queen of France through her marriage to the French King Louis VII. Louis and Eleanor had been married for 14 years. I can't find evidence of them receiving dispensation prior to their marriage, but they did receive it in 1149. However, even with that, Louis and Eleanor were able to procure an annulment, a process of dissolving a marriage as though it had never existed, though their two daughters were declared legitimate. For reference, Louis and Eleanor were third cousins once removed. I'll include a link to an easy-to-read consanguinity chart in the show notes. I will point out that even if Eleanor and Louis had gotten papal dispensation prior to their marriage, it may not have prevented their annulment. Plus, they really wanted to get away from each other. The Church's reason for changing the rules regarding consanguinity at the Fourth Lateran Council is often claimed to be a spate of annulments, or divorces. In this period, those are basically the same thing. Louis VII's great-great-great-grandfather, Robert II, had been forced to repudiate his wife, Bertha, on the same grounds. 
I imagine the church was actually getting angry notes from all the kings of Western Europe who were struggling to marry their sons and daughters off without breaking marital rules. In fact, the daughters of kings were being married off to counts, which was considered a bit of a step down, just to avoid marrying a very distant cousin. Well, there was actually another more important reason for the church to change this rule. The church was transitioning marriage from a more secular process performed by the church to a sacrament, which it still is today. By making it a sacrament, they would make it harder to dissolve. By changing the degrees of kinship that a couple could have, the church was making sure couples couldn't use this as an easy get out of jail, uh, wait, marriage card. <laughs> what does science say about this? I've spent a bit of time looking at this, partially because when Googling consanguinity in Scholar, one finds a lot of scholarly articles related to the genetic issues with cousins marrying each other. For first cousins, there can be significant risks. Recessive traits are more likely to be expressed in closely related individuals, and some of these are detrimental, say cystic fibrosis and Tay-Sachs. Both of these can occur in families who aren't closely related, but become more likely if a family is a carrier and are marrying close relatives. There's even an example in royalty of how badly things can go with ongoing marriages between close family members. Charles II of Spain, King of Spain from 1665 to 1700, had multiple medical issues, including epilepsy, likely as a result of his parents being an uncle-niece marriage at the end of a long line of cousin and uncle-niece marriages. He had the very famous Habsburg chin. A single incident of first cousin marriage isn't likely to cause major issues, say Charles Darwin and his wife Emma Wedgwood, or Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. But what about marriages between more distantly related cousins? Until recently, most marriages in Iceland were between third and fourth cousins, and they were doing fine. Second cousins share only a bit more than 3% of their genetics. So the risk of serious medical issues with their children drops compared to first cousin marriages. Every state in the US and most of the rest of the Western world allows second cousin marriages. And 19 states plus Canada, Australia, all of South America, and most of Europe allow first cousin marriages. In general, I think the royalty of Europe throughout history show that marrying a second or more distantly related cousin isn't the end of the world though it can make family reunions awkward or great matchmaking events. 